Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for another opportunity to hold our meeting with you. We thank you, Lord, for how you have helped us thus far. As we continue, we want to appreciate you for calling us and choosing us to do your work. We ask eternal rock of ages that even as you have called us, you will equip us and help us to serve you, accept you. Give you all the praise, we give you all the glory as you teach us again today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. I'd like to read two scripture texts. Haggai chapter 2 verse 23 and Mark chapter 3 verse 13 and verse 14. So I read Haggai chapter 2 verse 23 first. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Sheotel, says the Lord, and will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, says the Lord of hosts. Then let's read Mark chapter 3 verse 13 and verse 14. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. Then he appointed twelve that they might be with him. May the Lord bless the of his word in Jesus' name. Amen. We have already spoken about how God chooses people generally, and more specifically, leadership, that is the signet ring. We said that God makes his choices based on his foreknowledge, of the person based on the person's heart toward God. We also said that God makes his choices based on the purpose the individual should fulfill. And finally, we noted that such choosing may be for good or bad, but by his grace, ours will be for good and God will not have cause to repent that he chose you. We mentioned at the end of our last meeting that we would discuss the issue of God, first of all, calling those he then chooses. So today we want to discuss God's calling and choosing and your part. We've seen from our second scripture text that when the Lord Jesus Christ was going to choose the 12 apostles, first he called a group of people to be his disciples. And from the group of people that he called, he then chose 12. Those 12 were to be with him so that he could send them out to go and preach and then he could empower them to cast out demons and heal all who were oppressed of the devil. So the first thing is that God makes his choice from the pool of those he has called. In John chapter 1 verse 11 and 12, the Bible says, He came to his own, that is Jesus came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right, the privilege, the authority to become children of God to those who believe in his name. It is from this pool of those who are children of God that he then would make his choice of who would be made a signet ring. In Matthew chapter 11 verse 28, we see again God calling certain people. He said, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We see again God making a call to those who are laboring, making a call to those who are burdened with sin. And it is from those people who respond positively to him that he would make his choice. In John chapter 7, the Bible tells us from verse 37 to 39, that on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. 
The Bible tells us that this he was speaking concerning the Holy Spirit that was to be given to those who would believe on him after he has been resurrected from the dead. So we see God, first of all, making a call. Those he has called who respond, it is from them that he will now make his choice. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, we find that God sent Samuel to go to the house of Jesse, that he had decided to choose a king from among Jesse's sons. Jesse had eight sons. So he had a pool to choose from amongst the sons of Jesse. When Samuel got there, he tried to choose one and God said no. He tried to choose another. God said no. All the seven that were presented to him initially, he didn't find any. So he asked Jesse if Jesse had another son anywhere. And Jesse said, yes, he had one in the field, but there's a small boy. He said, send for him. We're not going to sit down until that boy comes. And when the boy came, it turned out to be David, who was of a ruddy countenance. He was just a small boy. God said to Samuel, this is the fellow, anoint him. So Jesse had eight sons and God chose one from among the eight sons. In our last meeting, we discussed 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 to 29, where the Bible tells us that God would choose people who are not considered wise according to the ways of the world, people who are not considered mighty in a worldly sense, people who may not be considered noble. He would call people who may not be literate in the way the world will term literacy. He may call people who are poor, people who are not well-to-do. He could call so many people. And then from a pool of people that God has called, who have responded, God would then make a choice of one of them or a group of them for his specific purpose. Among those called, there is an additional requirement of consecration. And this is one of the things that is your part when we talk of the calling and choosing of God. The first requirement which we have talked about is your positive response to God's calling. God calls us to salvation. We respond positively by accepting his offer of salvation. And then from among those who have freely accepted his call to salvation, he will then pick and use for his purpose. Of course, from among those that he has called who has come to him, he would sanctify. It is these called and sanctified people that God would choose from. When we are called and have been sanctified, we are to be consecrated to him. That is the second part that we are going to play. The first part is to respond positively. The second part is to consecrate ourselves unto God. Without this consecration to God, we would not be successful in doing the work of God. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, the Bible says, I'll read to verse 30, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, those who are the called, according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, this he also called, whom he called, this he also justified, and whom he justified, this he also glorified. So God 
would call those he wants according to his purpose. And everything that happens in their lives, whether it seems good or it seems bad, it will work together for their good because they love God and are they called according to his purpose. And these people, the Bible says, God had foreknown and has predestined that they will be conformed to the image of his son. This is the role of sanctification. And then he now says that those he has predestined, he not only calls, but he justifies and these people will be glorified. They will not be glorified if they have not consecrated themselves unto God. That is why in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, the Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the message of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is the place of consecration. Having been called and chosen for a particular work to be done, you must be dedicated. That's another word for consecration. You must be dedicated or devoted to the service of God. Otherwise, you are not going to be useful to God in the accomplishment of his purpose. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 24, the Lord Jesus Christ said, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. This is consecration. You cannot be devoted to two people. It's either you are devoted to God or you are devoted to something else, which comes under the category of mammon. If you are devoted to God, you will love God and you will dislike the other. You'll be loyal to God and you'll be disloyal to the other. If you choose the other, then you will love the other and not love God. You'll be loyal to the other and be disloyal to God. So you must make up your mind, having been called according to God's purpose, to be dedicated, to be devoted to God. Consecration is the personal choice of an individual to be devoted and dedicated to God. It is a choice that you make. It's not optional if you have to be successful in the assignment of God. Which is why, again, I will read Romans 12 verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. It is a choice you make. You present your bodies a living sacrifice. A sacrifice is something that is tied somewhere and has no choice in what happens to him therefrom. To be consecrated unto God, we have committed ourselves into the hands of God and we freely allow him to do what it is that he wants to do. Not only are we to present our bodies a living sacrifice, what we are presenting to God must be holy. We're talking of sanctification here. Must be acceptable to God. If we are not sanctified, God will not accept us. And he says it is our reasonable service or our reasonable act of worship. If we choose not only to be sanctified, but also to be dedicated to be consecrated unto God, then we will do our part and we will reap the reward at the end because we will be people that are acceptable to God, that God delights in as we do his work, which he is doing through us. When God called Abraham, he said to him, get out of your country, away from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And the Bible tells us that Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. It would take devotion. It would take dedication to not only abandon your country. That may be possible. To abandon your family. That may be possible. 
But to leave your father's house, it takes more than a mere love. It takes a devotion, a dedication to God to do that. Indeed, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 to 10, this is how the Bible records Abraham's response to God's call in Genesis 12. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going, but because he was devoted to God, he went. Because he was dedicated to God, he went. In verse 9 it says, By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Abraham did not change in his devotion, even though he had no mansion to live in here on the earth. His devotion to God was not something that changed just because he was dwelling in tents, even though God had promised him that land. Yet there were people there, but it did not change Abraham's dedication and devotion to God. In verse 10, it says, For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He was more interested in what God had to offer him in eternity than what he was getting here on the earth. If our focus is on earthly things, our devotion to God will be suspect. So it is important that we recognize that when God calls us, we would respond positively. And when he chooses us for an assignment, we must bury ourselves into that assignment. We must be devoted to God. Not necessarily the assignment, but to God. As we are devoted to God, it means that we are also devoted to the work. God can choose you before your consecration. But you must then consecrate yourself if you are to succeed in serving God acceptably. Once you are called, it is expected that you would consecrate yourself unto God. But let's assume that after you have been called, you did not consecrate yourself to God. The moment God chooses you for an assignment, for a task, you must then consecrate yourself unto God, be devoted to God, and apply yourself to that task so that you can succeed. In Second Chronicles chapter 25, verse 2, this is what the Bible says about Amaziah. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a loyal heart. Even though he did what was right, his heart was not involved in it. He was not devoted to God. He was doing half and half. He did what was right, but he was not fully immersed in what it was that God had called him to do. He did it sometimes in a sloppy manner. Sometimes he did it just because he wanted to do it, not because he was devoted to God. And so it was difficult for God to accept him, which is why he put it in the scriptures for us to see that even though he did what was right, his heart was not devoted to God. His heart was not loyal to God. So it is possible for us to serve God, but not be devoted to him. And once that devotion, that dedication, that consecration is missing, our service unto God is not acceptable to God. In 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verse 1 to 3, we read about Josiah, who was eight years old when he became king. The Bible says he reigned for 31 years, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. So you see, he was focused on God. He was dedicated. The Bible says, for in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father, David. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem 
of the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images. Josiah was chosen at a tender age. He could easily have been influenced negatively, but he chose to seek after God. It was a choice he made, and in seeking after God, he became a vessel in the hands of God to purge the nation and turn the nation in the right this is the essence of our serving God and God accepting our service. That not only does he call us and choose us, but our part is to respond positively and be consecrated unto God. And if we are to be consecrated unto God, we must do what Josiah did. We must seek after God. With everything, we must seek after God. We must be dedicated to God. Like Abraham, we must be looking forward to what God has for us in eternity rather than the fleeting pleasures of sin here on the earth. So let me conclude. The call and choosing by God and our response and consecration can be one seamless process rather than separate events or stages. If we allow the Holy Spirit complete his work of sanctification in us. When we are sanctified, our hearts are made supple and it is very easy for us to obey God and to seek after God and to be devoted to him. So once we are called and we respond positively to God, he gives us a spirit who is sanctifying us. As long as we are yielded to the spirit of God, our sanctification will continue. As long as we are devoted to God, it will continue. And because of this sanctification and our consecration, we are able to serve God acceptably and he will have rejoicing over us. So when God calls you, you must respond by heeding the call and coming to him. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, we read about how God called Samuel and Samuel kept going to Eli rather than going to God. There are people who keep going to a church leader rather than going to God when God calls. But a time came when Eli told Samuel, it is not me calling you, it is God who is calling you. When next you hear that voice, say to him, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And when God called Samuel the fourth time, Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And God began to speak to him. And that began the process of Samuel becoming a prophet and judge in Israel. When God was going to choose Isaiah for a specific work, Isaiah himself having been called, God then showed Isaiah what was going on in heaven. When Isaiah saw the glory of God, he said, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. And then an angel took a tongue from the altar before God and used it to touch Isaiah's tongue and said to Isaiah, This has touched your tongue and now you are cleansed. Thereafter, God said in the hearing of Isaiah, Who shall go for us? Whom shall we send? And Isaiah responded and said, Here am I, send me. So God would call us and we must respond by saying, speak, Lord, I am listening, or here am I, send me. And it takes our accepting God's call to be able to respond in that manner. And when God chooses you for a task, you must consecrate yourself, else you would not succeed. Bible says, do not turn to the right nor the left. Look straight on. We see the testimony of Josiah. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. His focus was on God. He did not turn to what seemed good. He did not turn to what seemed evil. He just focused on God. The Lord Jesus Christ said, No man, having put his hand on the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom. Consecration requires that we are focused on God and the work of God. And we do not look back 
once our hand is on the plow. Once your hand is on the plow, if you should look back, you are not going to be able to plow in a straight line. Zerubbabel responded to God's call and consecrated himself and he succeeded. The Lord Jesus Christ responded to the Father and dedicated himself to his task and became the author of eternal salvation. He went to the cross. He continued to insist, your will be done. And he became the author of eternal salvation. You must likewise respond positively to God's call and consecrate yourself to God to be able to fulfill his purpose. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 to 4, we read about the Christians in the churches of Macedonia. And Paul writes, he says, in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministry to the saints. But why did they do that? In verse 5, Paul tells us, and not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So the first thing they did was they were devoted, they were consecrated unto God. When you are consecrated unto God, you can then give yourself to the service of God through God's servants. You can then give yourself to the service of God through the ministry that God has called you to. And because they were consecrated and devoted to God, they were more than willing to give of their substance, even though they were in a period of great affliction, even though they were poor, they were more than really willing to do that. So we must likewise act accordingly. We must consecrate ourselves to God. Otherwise, whatever it is that we are doing is not going to get anywhere. The problem with many of us is that we would like to serve God, but we want to serve God half-heartedly. We don't want to be loyal fully to God. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 17, verse 14, about those who are going to be in heaven. It says, these are people who are called, chosen, and faithful. Our faithfulness is tied to devotion, is tied to dedication, is tied to consecration. You cannot be faithful if you are not consecrated. So God calls and chooses. Ours is now to be faithful. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 45, the Lord Jesus Christ tells us who a faithful believer is. From verse 45, who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. You have been given a task. Are you doing the task at the time you are to do it, in the manner you are to do it? That is what faithfulness is about. The wrong side of faithfulness, which is unfaithfulness, is when you are given a task to do, rather than do it, you are delaying it. You are procrastinating. You are saying, don't worry, I'll do it later. And then you go about doing other things. Let's continue to read Matthew 24, verse 48. It says, but if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour that he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. It is my prayer that we will not be like this evil servant who was unfaithful, who was doing eye service. He was frolicking with the people of the world, getting drunk, eating and doing all kinds of crazy things. By the time the master came, when he least expected, he was found wanting. A faithful servant will not be ashamed when his master comes. It is my prayer that God will find us worthy of this calling as we serve faithfully, as we serve devotedly, as we serve 
dedicatedly unto God our Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for that which you have shared in our hearing today. I pray, Almighty and everlasting God, that even as you have called us and we have responded, and as you have chosen us, help us, Lord, to consecrate ourselves unto you, to be dedicated and devoted to you, such that at the end of the age, when you will come, you will find us worthy of your calling and of your choosing. Help us, O Lord, to consecrate ourselves fully and totally to you. Henceforth, in Jesus' name, I have prayed. Amen.